I speak to you now in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So today was uh, the Chrism Mass. It's a traditional Mass in which uh, holy oil is blessed for the year. And during that, during that service, uh, priests often uh, renew their vows and their commitment to the Lord and to the church to serve well. Father Joe and I were there, and we went to the cathedral, and we made those vows. We renewed our vows, and, and one part really kind of stuck out to me, this commitment, this renewal uh, to, to study. We had to renew our commitment to study, and, and at first I felt really, really good about that, because earlier in the week I just bought some more commentary. And I spent a good bit of money, so don't tell my wife about it. I'm sure she'll see it on the credit card statement, uh, but y'all pray for me. Uh, but I, I'm really good about it because I bought these, this commentary series because I wanted to get to know uh, the Word of God a little better. I wanted to get to know the Word of God a little better. And so I, I wanted to learn from some of the greats like Walter Bergerman. I wanted to learn from some of the greats like, like Joel Green and, and uh, uh, Raymond Brown. I wanted to learn from some of the greats like Richard Hayes, some of the Anglican greats like N.T. Wright or C.S. Lewis. Wanted to study the church fathers and see what they had to say about the scriptures. Read their commentary so I might learn to not only preach better, but maybe learn to apply the scriptures better. Not only in my sermons, but hopefully in my own life. And as I was studying and I was pouring through the commentaries for the sermon, uh, something kind of came back to me that I heard when I went to seminary, one of the first days I was there. At Nishota House, an old priest came in and he said, You need not go to seminary to learn about God. You need not go to seminary to learn the things of God. All you need to do is pay attention to Jesus. You don't have to pour uh, through pages upon pages upon pages uh, of commentary. You don't have to spend a small fortune uh, to get the best of the best and to hear what they have to say, the best and the brightest minds about the scriptures. If you want to know the truth about the scriptures, all you have to do is read the words of Jesus Christ. Why read the words of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he is also the Word of God personified. And who better to, comment, to give commentary on the scripture than the Word of God, Jesus Christ, right? Who better to give commentary on the Scriptures more than, than Raymond Brown or any of the other greats? We should want to hear what Jesus has to say about the Scriptures. Well, in our Gospel passage today, Jesus, the Master Commentator, does what He always does. and reinterprets Scripture. Reinterprets Scripture. If you go... With me to the, the gospel passage here in, in John uh, chapter 13. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you have love one for another. Well, if you've been to Sunday school uh, any length of time and matriculated, you, you, you know that this doesn't really sound like new stuff. In fact, it sounds like old stuff. A new commandment I give to you that you have love one for another. That's in the Ten Commandments, right? Those are basic. That's what, that's what Moses was talking about, right? Two of the Ten Commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Do you have love one for another? It kind of sounds like Jesus is, is really rehashing old stuff. What's new about that? It's not the first time he did it either. You go in Matthew uh, to, to uh, chapter 5. Jesus is uh, uh, reinterpreting scripture like he always does. People come to him and, and want to know the truth and they challenge him. Uh, Pharisees challenge him and then sometimes people come and are asking simple questions and they want to hear Jesus expound. And in Matthew chapter 5, uh, he does just that and he says, uh, I, I won't read it for you. I'll give you some homework. Go home and read Matthew chapter 5. Jesus has these favorite, uh, famous sayings. You have heard it said, this, but I say this. Go home and read it. It's great stuff. It's really good commentary. And the way you know you have a good commentary on Scripture is because it hurts. Because it hurts. If it's easy to do, yeah, you probably have the wrong interpretation. But if it hurts a little bit, if it stings, then that's exactly what God wants to do in your heart. And so as I was reading Matthew chapter 5, it was stinging a bit, challenging me. But, but, but in Matthew uh, chapter 5, he's reinterpreting the scriptures. Uh, it, it's not the first time. If you go with me uh, in your, your Bibles uh, to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. This is probably the most famous, the, the great commandment. Jesus is asked the question by a Pharisee. What is the greatest commandment? They're trying to trip him up. See which one he would lift up among the ten. And he says, uh, starting, starting, uh, uh, starting at verse uh, 20, uh, 36, Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. He summarizes the, 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 the whole Ten Commandments in, in just two commandments. Jesus is giving commentary and saying, hey, the, this is what really matters. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, for Jesus, they are, they are one and the same. You can't love God and hate the things that God created. Man. Man is created in the image of God. And so to love God is to love that which he created, your brother, your sister. And to love your brother and your sister uh, is to love God. Because what is it about them that you love? The God in them. You see us around the altar, you'll see that sometimes we reverence each other uh, after we receive something. That's honoring the God that is in the other person. And Jesus is saying, if, you, if you're going to, to live this Christian life, you need to be able to recognize that there is a God beyond the skies that, 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 that demands love. And at the same time, if you're going to love him properly, you need to love your neighbor. It's all tied up. They're all built in together. They hang on each other. But that's not what Jesus says in our gospel passage. Turn back to it. I know I'm giving you guys a workout. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment that I give you, give you, that you love one another. Here's the twist. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. See, before that, the scripture had said, uh, the, the, the law was, hey, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. 
well, I, I wouldn't go to extremes, and, and I'm pretty selfish, and so I don't want to make myself uncomfortable, and I, and, I, and, I, and I love me, and so it's all about me, and my love for, for someone could, could really be human instead of divine love, and I can prefer certain people, and I can do certain things for others that I may, may not do for, uh, for other groups of people. It's easy to do that. It's easy to, to mix up this kind of human affection and, and, and goodness and, and morality towards someone, good intentions towards, some, towards someone with the godly love that Christ is talking about. A love that loves someone in spite of. The scriptures say, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? You see, Jesus loved us more than he loved himself. Jesus loved us more than he loved himself. How do we know that? He loved us so much that he came down and wrapped himself in human flesh. Came down through 40 and two generations, not for his benefit. He was God already. He needed nothing. He created everything that was. He was already with God. He didn't do it because he needed it. He did it because he loved us. And so he came down through 40 and two generations and he busted open a virgin's womb. He endured our humanity. The scriptures tell us, and despising the shame, he went through the things that he had to go through on the cross. They beat him all night long. Not for him, but for us. Because he loved us. He hung on the cross, and it wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was his love for us. He was wronged. And as my granny says, he didn't say a mumbling word. And all that he did... He did in the name of love for us. And here he is challenging his disciples. If you are going to be my disciple, if you're going to have a part of the fellowship, if you're going to be a disciple and represent me in the world, do what I've done. Not just what is easy and loving, loving yourself. That's easy. I'm asking you to love others more than you. And that will be the distinguishing mark that will let everybody know that you are my disciple, that your love is incarnational. That your love is incarnational. This is ultimately what Jesus does, right? He, he is the word of God incarnate. He again wants us, we, we want to experience Christ. How do we experience Christ now that he's gone to heaven? The same, he does the same thing in the institution of the Eucharist, right? He takes common bread and common wine incarnates them and gives them, gives them uh, to us as himself. And they're no longer normal bread and normal wine, but they are the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We can touch him, we can experience him in a real way. Christ is calling us to do the same. That we are to be so incarnational that when people touch us, come in contact with us, they come in contact with the love of God. This sacrificial love. The love that began it all. That purchased our redemption. Loved us so much that he died. That he gave up everything for our benefit. And now we have access to eternal life. 
as we go into this holy week and we, we get deeper and deeper into this week, I challenge you, what, what are you giving up for someone else? That's what the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about. How much do I love other people? What have I been willing, what am I willing to suffer so that somebody else might come to know the Lord? What am I willing to give up? How uncomfortable am I willing to get so that somebody might come to the realization of the Lord? It's easy to say, let your light so shine before men so that men would see your good works. Good works are easy. The stuff we like to do, right? That's the stuff we we think of. But Jesus is saying, the good works leads often to suffering. Leads often to, to being uncomfortable for the benefit of others. That's good works. That's what it means to be our incarnational. That's what it is to be a follower of Christ. And it is that kind of sacrificial love that Jesus says, that's how the world will know you. Because you've done for them what I've done for you. In a moment, we're going to wash each other's feet. And this was a big thing, a big deal in the ancient culture. Because your feet were really, really dirty. People had been baptized and they're saved. And that's all well and good, and their, their internal security is all, uh, all well and done. It, it's tied up. It's secure. They were baptized. They were a part of the covenant. They were living it out. But they couldn't hide the dirt on their feet. They brought all this stuff with them, and their feet were filthy. And when they entered someone's house, the guest, the, the host, would, would often have a servant come and, and wash the feet of the person. The feet were, were nasty and dirty, it was often uncomfortable and awkward. Feet smelled and were gross and they, whatever. But a servant did that. Jesus becomes the servant and says, hey, if you're going to, to serve people, this is what it's all about. If you're going to be my disciple, you must serve sacrificially. We're going to wash each other's feet in a, as a sign of our service, as a sign of our love, as a sign of our sacrifice for one another. And it may seem simple, but this simple act is far bigger than us. This is the start. Washing each other's feet. Then going out there and doing the uncomfortable, the nasty, the grimy things that God calls us to. He often calls us to do hard and holy things. For his honor and glory. I pray that as we go through this Lenten season, we realize that and we can take hold to that. That we can really be incarnational and we can live out our faith in real, intangible ways. And people will come to know that we are truly followers of Christ by the radical way, the radical lengths that we are willing to go to to prove that we love not for our own sake, but for his. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.